0: Well, it's great to see everybody, and I want to extend a special welcome to those of you joining us online. It's good to have you with us for week two of "When the Fight Calls." There was a, something that happened a few years ago, and it was significant. There was an Italian man by the name of Leonardo Notar Bolo, Notar Bolo, and he organized this gang of thieves to rob a diamond store. Now, they stole an estimated over $100 million in diamonds, gold, jewels, and other valuables. And they did it remarkably from one of the most advanced vaults in the entire world at the time. This is considered the greatest, one of the greatest heists of all time. This is how they did it. The robbery happened at a place called the Antwerp Diamond Center. And it's located in Belgium, in Antwerp, Belgium. And this robbery took a total of 18 months to pull off. Notar Bartolo went in posing as a diamond merchant so that he could start to do surveillance on this vault. The vault was located two floors below the store, and it's protected by infrared heat detectors, Doppler radar, seismic a seismic center sensor, and a three-ton steel door that housed a lock that had the potential of 100 million possible combinations. In total, the Diamond Center had 10 different layers of security. The robbery was brilliantly planned. In order to pull it off, it had to be something significant. The thieves placed a small camera above the vault so that they could spy on the combination that the guards used to open the vault. The camera then would broadcast the data to a sensor that was hidden inside of a fire extinguisher in a storage room not far away. They practiced this robbery numerous times on a life-size replica of the vault. When When the heist happened, they said that the robbers had so much loot that they had to leave some of it behind. They couldn't carry it all out of the vault. Notar Bartolo and his gang were eventually arrested for the crime, and they went to prison But they tell us that most of the diamonds were never recovered. People work really hard to protect the things that they value. And yet, there are other people who will work even harder to try to breach whatever security you put in place. We protect things that we value, don't we? We lock our houses, and our cars up. In fact, some of us even have security on those. They're that important to us. We put jewelry and important documents in a home safe, which may not sound all that safe now that you heard that first story. We install software to protect our computers, and some of us even have purchased home title fraud protection. To protect our kids, we put helmets on their heads and filters on their computers and iPads. We install invisible fences to protect our pets, and some of us even eat all organic in order to protect our health. We guard the things that we value. King Solomon said this in Proverbs twenty four twenty three. he said, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. If you have your Bible or your smartphone and you want to follow along the text, we're going to use, starting with Proverbs 4.23, as our place where we're going to be camping today. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word guard this way. Watch over in order to protect or control or protect against damage and harm. Both definitions require some action on our part. Regardless which definition you choose to live by, they require something from us. We must do something if we're gonna control or protect our hearts from harm. It's important for us to understand that the things we put into our hearts are what actually drive our actions. So we must ensure that our hearts are protected so that they can remain pure and in line with God's teachings. God knows how important it is to guard your heart. That's why there are so many verses in the Bible that talk about guarding your heart. Proverbs 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is so important. Psalms 119, verses 9 through 11 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A good man, Matthew 12, 35. Jesus says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What we store up in our heart determines what comes out of it. And then Proverbs 4.23 again says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything comes from our heart. Now, a proverb like Proverbs 4.23 is, by definition, a statement that reflects a general truth or a specific piece of wisdom. This Proverbs 4.23, this specific proverb, made it into the collection of proverbs that were assembled by King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. This series... When the Fight Calls, is about the spiritual battle that we're in today. Satan wants to disrupt your life. More specifically, he wants to disrupt your relationship with Jesus. He wants to take you off of the focus of being involved in what God has called you to do. So we need to guard our hearts, as King Solomon said. So today, what I want us to do in the moments that we have together is take a look at what it takes to guard our hearts. But first, we have to define what the Bible means when it says heart. What is it talking about when it talks about our heart? You see, today, when we refer to our hearts, we often refer to that emotional center, right? It's that place where love and feelings emanate from. But the heart in the Hebrew culture represented a whole lot more than just emotions. The Hebrew word for the heart could be used to mean feelings, like what we oftentimes refer to, but it also involves a person's will, or their, their mind, or their intellect. To a Hebrew, the, the heart was actually the center of everything. It included feelings, understanding, wisdom. Our hearts involved all of life. The issues of the heart can, can often cause us to, to recognize we face a lot of things. When you think about the issues of the heart, it can be anything, just about anything that you and I encounter. This would include challenges that we might have with who we are in Christ. It, it might involve problems that we have with our children or, or issues that we're having with a coworker or it, it might involve a gathering we're having in our neighborhood with our friends. The reality is that anything and everything that affects your life is an issue of the heart. When we think about valuable things, we begin to see just how valuable our heart really is. You might see why God then instructed, above all else, this is a top-shelf issue. This is a high priority for us. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows through it. Everything you do. We should guard our hearts because it influences every facet of our lives. That's why it's so important that we guard it. If the heart represents the center of our existence and everything, all of our problems, solutions, happiness, et cetera, et cetera, come out of it, then we need to fill our heart with good things, and then we also need to protect it from the bad things. I want to give you two reasons to guard your heart. The first is this guarding your heart protects your character. Guarding your heart protects your character. We guard our hearts because we want to reflect the character and the goodness of God. Jesus said this in Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 45. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The point Jesus makes here is that the good or bad that comes out of us comes from our heart. And one of the reliable indicators of a person's heart is what they say, which is when I was uh, preparing for this, it reminded me of an old story. I think I've told it to you before, but it, it fit this whole point so, so perfectly Uh, Many years ago, I went to a Cincinnati Reds game with one of my friends, and uh, we went in and sat down, and I sat next to a young guy, and he was with a group of other guys, and to put it mildly, they were just wild, okay? I mean, some of you can imagine that, right? You can see that event. These guys were, first of all, they were drinking really hard. I have no, I lost count. I was passing, you know, long necks down. All this and, and money back to the vendor. The vendor and I were on a first-name basis at one point, and these guys were just hitting it really hard. They were giving the, the umpires no mercy, and anybody wearing the other team's jersey, they were, they were paying a price. And when I went in, I do what I always do. I introduce myself kind of just like casually and start a conversation with the guy sitting next to me, and he liked to talk too, so we talked off and on through the whole game. It was probably about uh, the seventh or eighth inning. It was in between innings. I don't remember which. And I asked him, what do you do for a living? And he said, I work for Procter & Gamble. And it's a good job. You know, and he told me a little bit about what he did for a living. And then he said to me, the follow-up question, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a minister at a church down in Lexington. And immediately his countenance completely changed. His head just (laughs) hung down. And I heard him whisper, I'm sorry, Father. And uh, <laughs> it was at that point I knew two things about my new friend. One, he was Catholic. And number two, he was really embarrassed to be sitting next to me for the previous six or seven innings. Here's the thing I learned from that. What we say has so much, says so much about who we are as a person, doesn't it? Oh, we can, we can put on a, a good show for a moment, for a season maybe even. But there will be that moment when we let it go. And what we say does determine a lot about who we are. When we get into the habit of guarding our hearts, though, we protect our character from things that would damage or compromise our character. Paul sounded this alarm in First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. I love this verse. He says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character." He says, "Don't be fooled. You hang around with people long enough, they will influence you." Now, this doesn't mean that you should never be around as people. As Paul referred to these people as bad company, because some people that you and I know who need Jesus desperately. They need us to influence them, to love them, and to show them the way towards Jesus. But I do think Paul gives us an important reminder that the company that you keep can have an influence on your heart. And when you guard your heart, you have to consider the influence that others may have on you. And that prevents us from buckling under the impact that a bad influence can have. So be cautious about the things you let influence you and be aware of the people who may have the most influence on you. The second thing, that, a second reason, excuse me, to guard your heart is guarding your heart increases the effectiveness of your testimony. When you guard your heart, it serves as a testimony of God. At times, when bad things happen, we wonder, why didn't God intervene? Or sometimes we even say, why did God let this happen? Or maybe even, why did God cause this? But when we guard our hearts, we remember that the best place to be at any time, in any situation, is in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew, the 15th chapter, verse five. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus' point is the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we're able to draw from him and the more fruit we will bear. It affects our testimony. It makes us better equipped to tell others about Jesus and God's love for them. But you have to protect that time. It's easy to let that time become consumed by other more urgent things. As we learn to guard our hearts, though, our souls testify that we have been in the presence of the Almighty God. And this, this helps draw others to him. So maybe, maybe you've been wondering, how do I actually guard my heart? Okay, convince me I should guard my heart, but how do I do that? After all, we live in a world that we are constantly bombarded by images and sounds and influences. We receive so much information that not long ago, Time magazine reported that the average human now has an attention span of eight seconds. That's our attention span. Now to put that in context, they they said in the article that a goldfish has the attention span of 9 seconds. Our brains are subjected to so much stimuli that had it not been so amazingly designed, we would not be able to withstand it. Our minds wouldn't be able to handle it. It's more important than ever for us to be careful what we let into our minds. You know, it's interesting, over the season of COVID, a lot of things changed, didn't they? And one of the things that was significantly impacted were commercial airliners. They took great effort to step up their processes in order to make it COVID-safe to fly on a plane. They've dramatically improved the air filtration system's On commercial jets now on planes they use HEPA filters they I think they've used them previously but they've they've raised the awareness of that HEPA filters are these high efficiency particle filters they're supposed to take almost everything bad out of the air and as a result of the use of those filters the cabin on an an average jet is completely will completely replace the air every three minutes making it much safer. Like a HEPA filter, you and I, too, should be continually refreshing our hearts to eliminate the influences of this world. We talked last week about how important it is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Paul talks about that in Romans 12, too. And the reason is that this battle that Satan wages against God. God's people takes place in our minds. That's what we talked about last week. Dallas Willard, in his book, Life Without Lack, writes, if you are not entertaining God's truth, you will be entertaining Satan's lies. That stuck with me. What am I focused on? Not just in my quiet time, but throughout my day. What am I focused on? To guard our hearts is a proactive decision that starts with focusing on God's truth. Dallas Willard continues. He says, again, I remind you, human beings cannot be forced to do evil. They cannot be forced to do good either. They must choose to do evil or good. How do they choose? By being persuaded that one course of action is better than another. So Satan works upon the heart through the mind as he did with eve and as he will do with us today satan works on our hearts through our minds the heart and our thought process is part of this thing the hebrews called the heart we know we know most of us probably agree that we should guard our heart And in order to do that, we need to guard the entrances of our heart. And the entrances are basically what we see and what we hear, our eyes and our ears. How do you filter through the stuff that we encounter through what we see and what we hear so that only the good things get in? Well, Solomon gave us some insights on how to do this in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at the next few verses after 423. And in these verses, I think what we find is a map on how to guard your heart. There are four things that we can do to guard our hearts. And the first one is watch what you say. We've talked about that a little bit already. Proverbs 4.24 says this, Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. If you want to guard your heart, watch what you say. Avoid using perverse, deceitful, or evil language. Avoid proud words or idle language that reveals a heart set on disobedience. What are proud words? Proud words create this excessively high opinion of oneself or one's own importance. Simply put, we should talk less about ourselves, not more. And then idle words. Idle words are words that benefit no one. They're kind of wasted words. They're words lacking in any value or worth. There are two great examples of words that don't benefit anyone, idle words. And they oftentimes easily entangle us in the world that we live in today. The first is gossip. This is when I tell something that's been entrusted to me to someone else who is not a need-to-know kind of person. We often refer to this as breaking a confidence. Confidence. This doesn't benefit anyone, but it does disrupt relationships, and it often hurts other people. There's another example of words that don't benefit anyone, and that's grumbling. We probably don't think about grumbling very much, but grumbling doesn't benefit anyone ever. In fact, grumbling instead destroys people. And it often is used by the evil one to halt the work of God. While gossip refers to passing along information about another person, grumbling refers to a verbally opposing someone, usually someone in a position of authority. It may be God, it may be a boss or a manager, it might be a parent or a teacher or a coach. And we grumble against them. Chipping away at the foundation of their value. I may be upset or frustrated with someone, but that's not an excuse to grumble about them. Jesus, in talking about when a brother or sister sins, addresses this issue. Look what he says in Matthew 18, 15. He said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Just you. What Jesus is saying here is you go to them. And then Paul adds this. He adds this to, I think you could add this to this equation, but if you put these together, listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Go to that person just you, the person you have the issue with, and speak truth to them in love. Maybe it's how you feel, or maybe it's what they've said or done, and you just have a conversation with them. But in love. We need to pay very close attention to what we say. No one knows this better than me. Even when we're trying to live a godly life, Sometimes we say things we regret. Over the course of my life, I have had to apologize f- more for things that I have said that I regret than any other thing. And I can tell you, it is easier to watch what you say than it is to have to apologize. Remember, what fills the heart is what flows out of the heart. And oftentimes, it's through what we say. There's a second thing we can do after we watch what we say. The second thing we can do is focus on God's calling. What's your purpose? Listen to what Proverbs 4.25 says. King Solomon says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Let your eyes Look straight ahead. Don't be a person who looks for trouble. You know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't all of us know somebody who is always looking for trouble or trouble is always looking for them. You know what I mean? They're that guy or that gal who seems to thrive on stirring things up. But behavior like that is destructive. It's not It's not a valued behavior. And it can create significant distractions. Distractions keep people from focusing on what God calls them to, their purpose, their calling. Each of us have been given a specific purpose by God, and we need to do that as best we can to the best of our abilities. But unless we focus on Jesus who's the example that we have for living this life, we will get distracted and drawn away by things that were never meant to be our business in the first place. One summer, a long time ago, three of my friends took me to Riverfront Stadium for my birthday. Yes, this is the second Cincinnati Reds story. It's baseball, right? And they need some help. They are like, what is it? 3 and 18 am I right Anthony 3 and 18 that's not good okay that's not good but we went to uh a Reds game old riverfront stadium i'd gone to school in cincinnati and one of my friends this was his first time to cincinnati he had moved to lexington and we went up there to see the game and i was pointing out landmarks on the hills around the you know the city as we were walking in. And uh, while I was staring at the hills of this, around the stadium, I walked right into a pole. Boom. Nearly knocked me down. Now, there was a lot that happened in that moment. A lot of people thought that was humorous, especially the three guys that were with me. They thought that was just great. But the one thing that I learned about that was always keep your eyes On where you're going, always. Don't lose track. That's why we say don't text and drive. Why? Because it takes our eyes off where we're going. Ignore the distractions and instead stay focused on the purpose that God has called you to. Number three, you wanna guard your heart, stay on the path. Proverbs 4.26 says, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Have you ever been driving somewhere and you were so focused on something or you were listening to something on a podcast or the radio or something like that, and before you know it, you arrived at your destination, only it's not where you intended to go. It was like your body was on automatic pilot. The car was just driving. You drive that route all the time. If we don't think about where we're going, we can end up going in the wrong direction. You know, with GPS, it kind of helps us recalibrating, rebooting, you know. If there's a better way, it helps us to do that. But ultimately, we have to listen to the directions and we have to focus on where we're headed. It's one thing to be going straight ahead. It's quite another thing to be going straight ahead in the wrong direction. Stay on the path. Make sure you stay on the path. The fourth way that we can guard our hearts is stay away from evil. Be intentional about it. Listen to what Proverbs 4.27 says. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Don't turn from right to the left because you should be focused We just, Solomon said, just keep your eyes going forward. And now he says, don't turn to the right or the left. Don't stray from the path that leads to Jesus or the purpose that he's called you to. If you find yourself going down the wrong path, stop. Maybe, maybe someone in here has given into a temptation and you've gone down quite a ways this wrong path. It's not too late to turn back recalibrating, there's a better way. Our spiritual GPS is gonna find a path that leads to Jesus and then go that way. The Holy Spirit will help you to do that. The way of the world always seems easier than the path God calls you to take. The enemy tries to convince you that whatever you do, we can do what we want. But God expects us to be more disciplined than that. He expects us to supervise our lives, which means that sometimes we don't get to do what our flesh is crying out to do because we know it's not good for us, because we know God wants us to guard our heart. The advice that Solomon gives to stay away from evil sounds like a really big thing, but when you think about it, it boils down to simple obedience, God is speaking to us even today. He communicates to us through his word, the Bible, and through prayer. And as we tune in to his heart, we'll understand his desire for us. And we will learn to do the things he expects his disciples to do. But if you stray, if you find yourself off the path, listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God wants us to know his plans for us. He will direct our paths. So listen to his word. How do you guard your heart? Above all else, guard your heart. How do you do that? It doesn't mean that you try to eliminate all risk from your life because you can't do that. We're in a battle, and the enemy is out there. But you guard your heart by focusing on the things of God and by blocking out the things that seek to distract you from the purpose that God has given you. And when you and I guard our hearts, you'll be able to love God and others so much better and in the process we will bring glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's guard our hearts. You join me in prayer. God, we know that we're in a spiritual battle and the enemy that we fight against wants to disrupt our walk with you. Lord, I pray that you will please, uh, please God, protect the saints. Those who are walking with you, those who have surrendered their life to you but find themselves struggling because there seems to be more of bad things stored up in their heart than the good things that you would have them store. Lord, I pray that you'll protect them, that you'll you'll renew their heart, refresh their heart. God, help us to guard our hearts from the evils that Satan would try to convince us to store up in our hearts. He has no power over us except the power that we give him. When we believe his lies and temptations and accusations, we give him authority. Lord, we know that we are more than conquerors through Jesus. So keep us focused on the path, Lord. Keep us focused on the the mission that you've called us to. And Lord, help us above all else to guard our hearts for everything flows from.